I think a developer would look like a geek. Nerdy, plaid. Unshaven, glasses, spiky hair, beards. A guy behind a door that's got enough of a crack they can slide a pizza underneath. I think you won't even know who a developer is. I think you'd be surprised. I really don't know what a developer looks like, but the apps they make let us do amazing things. You can talk about a project, you can articulate it rationally, but you cannot communicate architectural ideas without a drawing. I use an app called Paper by 53. It really provides a sense of freedom, a sense of being emancipated from technology. It allows you to communicate as if directly from your heart, from your soul. It's just part of you. And I think that, that magic is part of the app world. The app I cannot live without is a banking app named Zhihubao. Airbnb saved my life. I talked to my friends. Instagram, Tumblr. Like, blah, 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 blah. Have a note. That's the one. I'm addicted to Pinterest because it is amazing. There's so much entertainment. Duck face. It's, it's limitless what you can do. The ocean, for me, is the lungs of our planet. The health of the ocean is absolutely essential to the health of us as human beings. Pangea runs a sailing expedition vessel to help scientists collect data on marine debris all around the world. There's a variety of apps that I use every day. iNavX is essential for us to be able to navigate the vessel. Marine Debris Tracker allows you to enter the marine debris that you find into a global database so we can start to build up a bigger picture of this problem around the world. I think these apps are essential for us to be able to bring change to what's going on in the ocean. Best app of all time has to be Tinder. I'm most probably like the, the millions of people that's got sucked into to Candy Crush. Robot Unicorn Attack 2. Crazy girl looking to meet new people in London. Interesting. Words, friends, Scrabble. I play solitaire, and of course I always win. We are stewards of, of dreams and hope for, for hitters. They come in and they want to achieve uh, amazing things, and that's, that's my job. Darkfish has just made my life so much easier. I'm able to break down the swing into parts so that you can see, okay, here's the mistake and here's the adjustment that I need to make. So what you have is a kid that can not only do it right, but then you can train him on doing it over and over and over. Now they're able to look and say, you know what, I'm getting better. And that's one of the things that you need for life in general, but in sports, you want hope. And so now it's easy for them to focus on dreaming. We need like a silence finder app. I gravitate toward very uh, melancholy and painful songs. Uh, uh, and then it's time to turn the page. Whoop. This has become as essential as my guitar. There are apps that help people, that it, like really improve people's lives. Every now and then I'll sort of stare at the hand with this sense of sort of wonder, going, wow. And it is like magic, it really is. In combination with the hand, the app has allowed me to gain functionality and independence. I, I enjoy being known as the kid with a bionic arm. You know, it's something interesting and it's something different, and I'm, I'm a big fan of being different.
you open up an app and you, you open up a, a possibility and the whole world is being born. What we really have is an intersection between technology and art. You see the world in a different way and I think an app can do that because it really does open something you didn't know beforehand. Developers are doing extraordinary things. I can't believe what they're creating today. It's genius. If I met the person that made Sky Go, I'd probably give him a massive hug. You inspire me so much. They make our lives better, and they think of things that obviously regular people can't think of. I don't know how the technology works. It's just magic to me. <laughs> There's no question they are changing the world. So to everyone who's made any apps that I've ever enjoyed, I say thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to San Francisco. We're here today and all week to celebrate the developer community and all of the amazing apps that they've created. I hope that video did a great job of capturing just how deeply we feel about our developer community and more importantly, the a number of lives that they've enriched. So from all of Apple, thank you very much. <laughs> this is a milestone year for this conference. It's the 25th anniversary of the conference. It started in 1990 with just 1,300 developers who gathered to talk about the System 7. And there was one lab in that developer conference. Now WWDC is a huge conference for Apple and a huge conference for all of our developers. We have over 1,000 of our best and brightest engineers here today to talk with you directly in labs about how to improve your code. We've got people from more countries than ever before. And two-thirds of the attendees today are here at a developers conference for the very first time. A special shout out this morning to the student scholarship winners. They worked really hard to get here. Our youngest developer in the audience today is 13. We're going to be seeing apps from them for a long time. The developer community is incredibly vibrant. We now have 9 million registered developers. That's up almost 50% since last year. That's the most developers we've ever added in a single year. Now, this morning, we're gathered to talk about two powerful platforms, OS X and iOS. And you are going to see some great new features for both and some great updates. But even more importantly, you're going to see how they've been engineered to work seamlessly together. Now, you're also going to see the mother of all releases, 
for developers. It's a huge release, and it's so huge that we've dedicated an entire section of the presentation just for this. So let's get started with OS X and the Mac. We're shipping the best Macs in our history. If you look just in this last fiscal year, while the industry declined by 5%, Macs grew by 12%. That swelled our install base of Macs to over 80 million, which is a record for us. We're really proud of this. And of course, our latest release of OS X Maverick has done really great. It had great features for power users, like power tabs and tags and enhanced support for multiple displays, advanced technologies for longer battery life and greater performance, and of course, new and improved apps. Just since its release in October, we've installed over 40 million copies of Mavericks. This is the most of a single release ever in Apple's history. Also, that makes over 50% of our install base working on our latest operating system. This is the fastest adoption ever of any PC operating system in history. Now, you may wonder how that compares to Windows. <laughs> I knew somebody was going to ask, so I decided to make a chart. <laughs> well. As it turns out, Windows 8 shipped about a year before Mavericks, and it's at 14%. <laughs> Need I say more? So we could not be happier with Mavericks and the momentum of the Mac. But of course, we're always future focused. And today, to talk about the future of OS X, I'd like to invite my colleague up, Craig Federighi, to tell us all about it. Craig? Good morning. Wow. Well, it's uh, wonderful to be here presenting among the greatest developers collected in the world. You guys are fantastic. You know, it was just a year ago here at WWDC when we narrowly averted a major OS X naming crisis. <laughs> you, you may remember that we were able to deftly shift from names based on big cats to names based on beautiful places in California, starting, of course, with OS X Mavericks. Well, it's another year and time for another name. And so we collected our crack product marketing team, <laughs> shoved them in their VW minibus, and set them out on the road. Now, they first ventured south, discovering OS X Oxnard. <laughs> now, this wasn't quite right, but undeterred, they headed east, landing at OS X Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> Still, we hadn't quite hit the mark. So, they boldly ventured north, landing at OS X <laughs> Weed. 
Now, strangely, this one had large pockets of support within the product marketing organization. But saner heads did prevail, and they set off on what then was a somewhat more circuitous path that took them ultimately to a place that embodies the beauty and power of OS X. We discovered OS X Yosemite. Now, Yosemite is a fantastic new release with a new interface, big enhancements to our most popular apps, and something all new we call continuity. Now, I want to start with design. OS X, of course, started with the bold design of Aqua. And over the years, it's evolved to the refined look we all love today in Mavericks. Well, with Yosemite, we continue this evolution, and I'd like to give you a look at where we're headed. I think the team has done some remarkable work. You know, we started with the most fundamental controls, focused always on clarity as well as utility. We refined the toolbars and the window materials and the window constructions. And if you look at the window title bar, you'll see how the use of translucent materials gives you a sense of place as you scroll your content. Now, these same carefully crafted translucent materials are used in the sidebars. So now, your windows take on the personality of your desktop. As you change your desktop picture, your window adapts to reflect that personality and that temperature. And that translucency also helps maintain a sense of depth and place as you move your windows over one another. Now, we also use the same gorgeous translucent material for the dock. And check out these beautifully crafted new icons, so clean and yet so fundamentally still Mac. And check out that trash can. That is a gorgeous <laughs> trash can. You wouldn't believe how much time we spent crafting a trash can. <laughs> so we also focused on precise and consistent typography throughout. So from the menus to the window chrome to application controls, consistent and clear type. Now we know for our pro users, often they really want to focus on the center of the screen and not be distracted by bright menus and bright docks. So we also introduced a dark mode. 
Lovers of dark. Yes. So, of course, these changes extend through to the applications. You notice here with calendar, this construction with a common toolbar and title bar area that makes the window both more distinctly recognizable, but more importantly, maximizes the space available for content. And we carry this over throughout the system to apps like Maps. Now, we also have a new look for sidebar apps, like Messages. You can see it here with the beautiful translucent material running top to bottom. And we extend that look to apps like FaceTime, Contacts, and Reminders. All in all, they come together for a gorgeous and more usable version of OS X, the best ever. Next, let's talk about Notification Center. Now, Notification Center on OS X, of course, adopts the dark, translucent material and precise type of Yosemite. It also now, most importantly, has a new today view. So you get an at-a-glance look at your calendar, your reminders, weather, and more. But most importantly, you can extend the contents of today view with the contents of widgets in apps that you've downloaded from the App Store. Just add them right in and set up the today view that you want for at-a-glance access to information. And that is Notification Center. Next up, Spotlight. So Spotlight has always been a super fast way to launch applications and find content local on your Mac. And Yosemite it is a great new interface. So when you click on the magnifying glass up in the toolbar, you get a big field right in the middle of the display. And if you just type a few characters, you can launch an app just like that. Or type the name of a document, and you get great search results and an inline preview. It's really awesome. Now, in addition to these sources local to your Mac, we also tap into sources of information on the internet. So for instance, type a few characters in, like Yosemite, you can get news feed, information from Wikipedia, and even maps, all at your fingertips. I'd like to give you a quick demo of the new UI in Yosemite now. All right, so here's our first look at Yosemite Live. So we see our beautiful new typography in our menus, this gorgeous new dock, and these beautiful icons. Let's launch an app. I'm going to start here with Maps. And I want you to observe that as I scroll the content of the map, the way that the title bar actually reacts its translucency and color to the content beneath. It's just really gorgeous. I'm going to launch now another app, Calendar. So Calendar has a new look for a week view, but also an all new day view. And you notice here on day view, I have all of my meetings in the day right here on the left. And on the right, I get details about my appointments. So for instance, here at 2 o'clock, we have our executive karaoke outing. That's going to be a big blast. Um, so it's, it's right there. You, you want to uh, probably drop in on that if you get the chance. Um, so let's take a look now at messages. So messages, you see this use of the translucent sidebar material, how it reacts subtly to the background. It's really nice. And how the contents of the title bar react as I scroll content underneath. It's really cool. All right, now let's take a look at Notification Center. So of course I have my notifications here, but I also have Today View, so I can see my calendar at a glance, my weather. These are interactive, so I can click, get hourly weather, 
clock, interact with stocks, for instance, or even reminders. So here I'm supposed to practice for a demo, and I forgot to do that, but it's too late now. So we'll send that one on its way. Now, of course, I can edit these widgets as well. Just click the edit button down here, and you see widgets available to me right here on the side. These are all from apps that can export widgets. So I'm just gonna drag out calculator, add that in here, just like that. Or even a third party widget. Let's drag one of those in, ESPN Sports Center. So right there, I get all my information right at a glance. It's really awesome. So next, Spotlight. So I'm gonna click here on the magnifying glass, and boom, got a search field right in the middle of the screen. Can type just a couple of characters to launch an app, like our new reminders. There it is, it's that easy. But of course, Spotlight's great for looking up people, too. So I'm gonna look up uh, Phil Schiller here. There's Phil, and you see I have all of his contact information here, but I also have matches on mail from Phil. Now, Phil and I are planning a camping trip. He's a bit of a gear nut and has something he wants to try out on our trip. We also have events and reminders. So we have here that uh, our uh, meeting at the campsite, and uh, oh good, I see that uh, Jeff and Johnny are both in on the trip as well. And uh, I'll tell you, you, you just have not had chili by the campfire until you've eaten it with one of Johnny's custom-crafted aluminum spoons. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the diamond-cut chamfered edges that really make the experience. So, uh, so I'm working on a, uh, a document as well to help uh, plan our trip. Now, there are a lot of ways, of course, to find documents, but one way now is by app. So this is a numbers document. I type numbers, and you see in addition to the app, I get all my recent documents that I've opened with that app, and I can access them right here. So let's open up my hiking trip. Uh, and here we see that uh, the trip is planned to involve a 16.4-mile uh, hike. And you know, being an operations professional, uh, Jeff is a big stickler for the metric system. And so uh, fortunately, Spotlight has my back. I can just type in 16.4 miles here, and I get an instant conversion to kilometers. So that's awfully handy. We do all kinds of conversions. I drop that in, fix that document right up. All right, well, that's, that's enough for, uh, for my document. I can also do great searches, like just type a few characters, bang. I've got Yosemite uh, entry from Wikipedia. I've got news uh, from, from various sources. I even have maps right here. Well, you know, I, I'm looking to plan a, a dinner and maybe a movie out, and now without even launching an app, I can just do a look up for sushi, for instance, and we see I have maps results right here, right inside of Spotlight. And of course, in addition to the map information, we've got pictures, great information from Yelp, so all right there. And to wrap it up, I wanna go out to a movie, I can just type in uh, Godzilla here. Oh, there we go, Godzilla. And you see, I have uh, show times for the, uh, where it's playing near me, right here in Spotlight, as well as content I can stream from the iTunes store, all in Spotlight. That's a quick look at the new UI of Yosemite. So next, iCloud Drive. Now, okay, intriguing. So, we all know that documents in the cloud provided, uh, provides a really convenient way for working with an app that works across all platforms, working on that same document. But now, with iCloud Drive, your Mac, in addition to let you work on those within the document, has 
all of those folders right accessible inside of Finder. And in addition to those apps that are local to your Mac, you can get it content from apps that you don't have on your Mac, so get it contents from iOS documents. But even better, you can store all of your own files of any sort and organize them however you wish with folders and tags, and they're synchronized automatically across all your Macs. Now, And all of this content is also accessible from your iOS devices via the iCloud document picker right in app. And what the heck, we're throwing in Windows too. <laughs> Next up, Mail. So Mail in Yosemite has an elegant new Yosemite style UI, but we really focused on the basics, reliable syncing, fast switching between mailboxes, quick fetches of your new mail, the basics. But in addition to that, we wanted to address a fundamental problem with email, which is these days we so often want to send large attachments, whether it's videos or large sets of photos, and we end up hitting one of these, a message saying that our recipient's mail server can't take those large attachments. Well, we're solving that problem with a technology we call MailDrop. With MailDrop, Instead of your message bouncing off your recipient's mail server, you can elect to have the attachment sent encrypted and securely via iCloud separate from the message and it rendezvous on the receiving end. So if your recipient has a Mac, they get it just like before. And if they have another client, they get a link to securely download those attachments. And those attachments can be up to five gigs in size. That's mail drive. So next, markup. Have you ever been working on an email message and you realize that if you could just maybe circle something or write something on the message, maybe doodle a little something, you could get your point across so much more clearly? Well now with markup you can. It burns right back in to your mail message. And it even works with PDFs. So if you need to, for instance, sign a PDF, you can now do that with your eyesight camera or even drawing your signature right on the trackpad. And it goes right into the email message and you can send it on its way. It's gonna be super handy. Next, great, I love it. Next up, Safari. We've, in Yosemite, been able to pack all the power of the Safari UI into this single bar. And that means you have more space for your content now, of course, you may wonder, what happened to my favorites bar? Well, of course, you can bring that back if you want to, but in Yosemite, you don't really need to because now your smart search field, when you click it, shows you all of your favorites right there. And it's also really great for search. So in addition, when you type to get in your smart search suggestions, you also get spotlight suggestions right there in your completion menu. And this means you can get at things faster than ever before. Now, Safari's also more powerful than ever with sharing. So now, if you want to subscribe to an RSS feed on a site, you can do that right here, and those RSS feed articles will show up right in your Safari sidebar under shared links. And you can also share to people more quickly than ever, because Safari lists the people you've messaged with most recently, and with just one click, you can share a web page. Now, Safari is better than ever as well with tabs. 
We now have a tab view that gives you a bird's eye glance of all of your tabs. And it stacks tabs from uh, sites just like this, so you get individual stacks for each site that you're browsing. Safari is also great when it comes to privacy. Safari was the first browser to introduce private browsing, and now it's easier than ever because you can create a new private window. And when you do, all the content within that window and all its tabs stay private, and all of your other windows are unaffected. It's really handy. Now, Safari is great when it comes to standards. It has WebGL now for super fast 3D graphics, Speedy for efficient networking, and HTML premium video. Now, this enables modern Macs to efficiently stream video from sites like Netflix without a plugin, and the results are awesome. You get up to two hours longer battery life on a MacBook Air streaming Netflix, and that's for 1080p video. Now, Safari has been uh, set the benchmark, really, for energy efficiency since Mavericks, and its lead here continues. When it comes to multi-tab browser energy efficiency, Safari is without equal. And when it comes to the kind of UI manipulations that are typical in web apps, Safari is faster than ever. And how about JavaScript? We'll take the most complex kind of JavaScript that's typical of very rich web applications. Well, Safari now has a fourth tier LLVM-based optimized JavaScript compiler that is the fastest of any major browser. And when it comes to typical website JavaScript, Safari is in a league of its own. So that is Safari. And to give you a quick demo, I'd like to bring up Brian Kroll to the stage. Let's give him a big welcome. Brian. Thanks, Craig. I'm really happy to be here today. Um, so I'm just going to dive right into Safari. Here we go. It's really great. And when you go to a website, you can really appreciate the new design. It's simpler, and it's even more powerful. I can open up the sidebar really easily to get at my bookmarks, my reading list, as well as my um, shared links. And when I click into the search field, I get instant access to all my favorite sites. It's really nice. So I'm going to go ahead and type in a search for Ansel Adams. There we go. And if I hit return, I could just go do a regular old Google search. But since Ansel Adams is a common search term, I get this new spotlight suggestion there at the top. It has a snippet of information from Wikipedia. I could read it there. Or if I'd like, I could go ahead and see the entire article right on the Wikipedia site. It's super convenient. Now, if you use tabs, you're going to love this. Now, no matter how many tabs I have open, I can smoothly scroll through them to get at any of that tab I'm looking for. It's really nice. So now, sometimes I want to see my tabs. So I can go ahead and do this, and I'll click on the new tab view button, and there you go a beautiful bird's eye view of all my open tabs. So I'm going to go ahead and select this one here. It's a photo blog with a bunch of pictures of, of Yosemite. And there's a couple good ones of um, El Capitan down below. So I'll find them there, El Capitan. And then I'm going to choose this one. Now I want to share it with Craig, so I'm going to get the high res image. Now sharing couldn't be easier. 
uh, in Safari. I just simply click on the share button here, and now I can use the new recent recipients feature to address it to Craig. And here we go. And just one click, I'm ready to send that image. It's that easy. So, but before I send it, I'm going to add my two cents to this. So I can go here, and we have just the right feature called markup. Now, with markup, I can edit this image without ever even leaving mail. It's really great. So what I'm going to do is um, annotate this image with a, a, a nice a magnifying glass, a loop. So as you move it around, you can see that it magnifies everything underneath it. So I'm going to place it right here. And it turns out that those two specks on the big granite face there, they're actually climbers. It's kind of crazy. So I'm going to zoom in a little more so you can see it better. There we go. So I can zoom nicely and place it here. Now, I want to point this out to Craig in the mail. And I can use my trackpad to draw on the image. So I'm going to go ahead and draw an arrow here. There we go. And you notice, markup smart enough to recognize the arrow and make it really pretty. So now, now it's really easy to add a, um, a comment. So check out the climbers. There we go. Now I can have a little fun with this. So I'm going to go ahead and um, create a cartoon bubble. OK. Not so good at drawing, but markup's going to help me. There we go. So luckily, it can clean up. It's better than I am. So now I can add a caption. And so I think I'm going to appeal to the inner developer in all of us. I'm going to type in, I hope the rope is, wait for it, multi-threaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK, so I think I've done enough to this picture. Uh, Time to go. <laughs> so um, now it's ready for me to mail, and I can just click like that. So that's how easy it is to mark up an image in mail. So those are a couple of great new features in Safari and mail. Thank you. How about that parallel programming joke? You did not see that coming. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Something entirely different. It's called continuity. So now at Apple, we believe you should be able to use the right device for the moment. Maybe your phone when you're on the go. Your iPad when you want to kick back on the couch. Or maybe your Mac when you're trying to get some work done. But we also want the transitions between these moments to be absolutely as natural and seamless as possible. Now our continuity features start with something simple. And that's AirDrop, because now AirDrop works between iOS and the Mac. It's really convenient. But now we have something where we really take it to the next level, and it's called Handoff. So it turns out now that when you're working on your Mac, your devices around you in proximity are aware of each other and are aware of what you're up to. And so if you want to pick up where you left off on your Mac, on your iPad, well, your iPad is prompting you right in the lower left of the screen. Just swipe up, and you can pick up working on what you're working on your Mac right on your iPad. And this, 
Now, this works in the other direction as well. So let's say you're composing an email on your phone and you walk up to your Mac. Well, your Mac will notice what you're doing and prompt you right on the dock. You click it and you can pick up finishing that message right on your Mac. Now, we've been able to take this same proximity awareness and make the process of creating a hotspot easier than ever before. So now, if you're using your Mac and you're away from a network, but your phone is nearby, when you go up to your Wi-Fi menu, your Mac, actually without any configuration ever having been done on your phone, sees your phone and prompts you. So you click it, and it automatically sets up a hotspot. You never type a password, and you're on the network that easily. And, and this works even if your phone is across the room sitting in a handbag. You just never have to touch it. Now, the next area we really wanted to handle was SMS. Now, we all love iMessage. We can continue our conversation seamlessly from device to device. But then we have these green bubble friends. <laughs> and, you know, they have inferior devices. <laughs> and they insist on sending us messages. And we don't want to hold it against them. But the problem is, that those messages don't show up on our other devices until now. Because now, your phone is able to act as a relay to automatically and transparently send your messages between devices. Now, believe it or not, we're able to do the same thing with phone calls. So now, when you receive a phone call, your Mac gives you caller ID. And you can even accept the call and use your Mac as a speakerphone. And believe it or not, this works even if your phone is across the house in a charger. You never have to miss a call. Well, now that your Mac is all phone savvy, it's also a great way to dial the phone. So if you're in contacts and you want to dial a number, you can do it right there. And even on a web page, you see a number you want to call, you can call it right from your Mac. So I want to give you... So if you're up for it, I'd love to give you a demo now. All right. So let's check out continuity. And we're going to start with handoff. I'm going to pick up my uh, iPhone here. And I was composing an email about our karaoke night. Uh, does anyone want to? And you know, I'm by, by my Mac. So let's use my Mac here. And you notice my Mac actually is aware that I was using my phone. So with a click, I bring up that message. It's right where I left off. Does anyone want to go? And you know, to give these people some inspiration about what they might be able to experience at karaoke night, you can just summon a picture from last year's karaoke event. <laughs> now that ought to get them going. So I'll send, send that one on its way. Now, of course, this works in the other direction. Uh, it looks like Andreas is up for uh, some karaoke. And he sent me a, a URL to, to a, a good place to go for karaoke. So I can pull that up here. Now, if I want to show this page to a friend, maybe pick up my iPad, you notice as I look at my iPad, let's put that up on the screen, there at the bottom 
is Safari. I just flick up, and it takes me right to where I left off. It's really amazing. <laughs> Next up, phone calling. Uh, hold it one sec. Uh, well, this is from my mom. Now, she, she is surely wants to grill me about the newest fourth tier LLVM compiler in <laughs> Safari, uh, but this is not the right time. I know you'd all love to hear from mom, but I'm gonna scream. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, she's a wonderful, wonderful woman, but it's a, this, is, this is my space. Um, so, so, but you know, I would like to show you how we can make phone calls. And so, uh, I can dial uh, from web pages. So for instance, if I wanted to go dial a phone number like this one right here, uh, I could just select and uh, uh, hit it just like this. And you notice I get an uh, option to call right here inside of Safari. But you know, I wanted to make a phone call to uh, a new Apple employee uh, that's, that's joining us. It's something we do from time to time. So let me just bring up uh, this. Here we go. A little, little welcome call. Let's give him a WWC welcome. So let's, uh, let's have my Mac dial via my iPhone. I, I talk to people like him all the time, of course. This is all very normal for me. Wow. Hey, uh, it's Craig Federighi here. Hey, how you doing? This is Dre. Uh, hey, hey uh, doctor, you're, you're on speakerphone with, via my Mac with over 6,000 amazing developers here at WWDC. We all want to welcome you to Apple. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. I love a big audience. I want to thank everybody here for creating such amazing apps. Yeah, they have created some amazing apps. <laughs> By the way, I'm glad you called. I hear Tim gets in pretty early. What time should I show up for work? <laughs> if you want to beat Tim into the office, it'd be about 4.30. But I think, uh, you know, uh, orientation, new employee orientation starts at 9. So, uh, and you don't want to miss the free t-shirt. So I'd shoot for 9. <laughs> Sounds good. I can't wait to get to work with the team at Apple. Well, Dre, it's been great chatting with you. Uh, I'll see you around campus. Thanks, Craig. Talk soon. All right, bye. <laughs> And that's continuity. So Yosemite, a beautiful new design with notification center with a new today view and customizable widgets, spotlight with fast search and access to all kinds of great sources of information on the internet, a new iCloud drive, mail with great new features, Safari faster and more elegant than ever, and of course, continuity. It's a wonderful new release, Yosemite and it's available to you developers here today. Now, everyone else will get it in the fall, and believe it or not, it will be free. Now, we're doing something a little unusual this summer as well, which is we're having a public beta program. So if you're a non-developer and you want to help us improve Yosemite, you can sign up on the web and you could receive access to Yosemite betas throughout the summer. That is OS 10 Yosemite. 
I think you're going to love it. I'm going to hand it back to Tim. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. It's a really terrific release. I'm just glad I'm in the beta program. <laughs> Next up is iOS. We've now sold well over 800 million iOS devices. And each of the categories of devices has set its own significant sales record in the past year. iPod Touch has passed 100 million units iPad has passed 200 million units. And iPhone has passed a half a billion units. This is incredible. But what's even more impressive is how many new customers to Apple that iOS devices has brought to us. Over 130 million customers who bought an iOS device in the past 12 months was buying their first Apple device. Now, many of these customers were switchers from Android. They had bought an Android phone by mistake <laughs> and then had sought a better experience and a better life, <laughs> and decided to check out iPhone and iOS. Nearly, in fact, nearly half of our customers in China in the past six months switched from Android to iPhone. This is incredible. And of course, that better experience is our devices and iOS. And iOS 7 took that experience to an even higher level. The customer sat with iOS 7 is really off the charts. ChangeWave recently measured it at 97%. These are customer sat ratings that no one gets. It's really enormous. Now, one of the reasons why customers say they love iOS is that we make available our software updates for, for the OS available to as many customers as possible. And if you look at what has happened with iOS 7, our latest release, almost 9 out of 10 people in our install base are running our latest operating system. Now, this is in stark contrast to Android. <laughs> if you look at their latest release, less than one out of 10 of their customers are on their latest software. And if you looked at a broader group, over a third of their customers are running a version of Android from four years ago. That's like ancient history. <laughs> now, that means that these customers are not getting great new features. They're not able to run your latest apps. And they don't get security updates that they may need to stay safe.
And this is particularly important for Android, which dominates the mobile malware market. <laughs> no wonder experts are saying things like this. Android fragmentation is turning devices into a toxic hell stew of vulnerabilities. Now, fortunately, iOS hasn't had these kind of issues because we do everything we can to make our updates available to as many people as possible. So we could not be happier with iOS 7 and the momentum of iOS devices, but we are not standing still. Today we're announcing iOS 8. And iOS 8 is a giant release, and it's really two stories, not one. It has great end-user features, but it also has incredible developer features, so you can extend your experience and build apps that you couldn't do before. We'd like to get started with describing it with talking about the end-user features. And to do that, I'd like to bring Craig back up to the stage. Craig? I missed you guys. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about iOS 8. Now, iOS 8, of course, builds on the design of iOS 7 with enhancements for both iPhone and iPad. And let's start with the phone. Now, in iOS 8, we've refined Notification Center. But what I really love are our new interactive notifications. So now, if you get a message like this, just pull down and you can reply from right where you are. You don't have to leave the app you're in. And this works for all kinds of notifications. If you get a calendar event, for instance, just pull down and respond. And it works on the lock screen. So you can just swipe across on the lock screen, you get those action buttons tap, and you've dealt with it right there. Now, in iOS 7, we gave you quick double tap access to get at your most recent apps. Well now, you can also use that same double tap to get at the people you communicate with most frequently. It's really handy. And in iOS 7, we introduced this great tab view in Safari. Well, we're bringing a great tab view to iPad as well with this bird's eye view of all of your tabs. And Safari also picks up the sidebar that we love in Yosemite with access to your bookmarks, your reading list, and your shared links. Now we've made managing your mail easier than ever before. So now if you're reading a message and you want to remember to get back to it so you're gonna mark it unread, we can do that with just a single gesture. And if you want to flag a message, you can just pull across, there's a flag option, but if you pull all the way across, you can delete with just a gesture. But the piece I love the best is what we've done with composing messages. Have you ever found yourself composing an email and then you really wish like you could get at something else in your inbox, maybe for that reply? Well, now you can. Just swipe that message down and you have access to the rest of your mail. So I'd like to give you a demo of some of these great iOS 8 enhancements now.
So here we are on our iOS 8 lock screen. And if I receive a notification, looks like I happen to get one just right then, I can uh, swipe across. And you see I have actions, so I can accept or decline this meeting right here. Now, of course, I'm going to use the device. If I'm in here maybe playing some uh, music here on iTunes radio, um, I might get a notification. And if I do get a notification, I can just swipe down on it too. So here's one. Just swipe down, and there I get access to my keyboard. can type right there. Now this works great for third-party apps as well. So for instance, it uh, looks like I got tagged on Facebook. I can like it right here with an actionable notification. And sometimes you receive notifications that you just really don't want to deal with right now, and you can just flick those away like that. That's really handy. Now, we've made getting at people easier than ever before, so if I just double tap my home button, See, I have all the people I most recently communicated with. I swipe to the side, and I have access to all my favorites. If I tap on one, I have controls here to give them a phone call, mess I message them, or even FaceTime right here with just a double tap on the home button. It's really handy. Now I want to show you some of the enhancements we made to mail. Let's go take a look at an iPad, actually, this time. So here we are on iPad. I'm going to launch mail. Now, uh, I have a number of unread messages here, so let's work our way through them. Here's a message um, from OpenTable uh, with a, a, a dinner appointment, and you notice that the reservation is actually called out right here on the top. Mail has actually given me an intelligent suggestion here to add it to my calendar. I can tap Add, and just like this, it, lets, it prompts me to fill out and add an event to my calendar. That's really handy. Now, sometimes you get a message like this where you're gonna have to do some thinking about it, maybe get back to it later. Well now, with just a single swipe, I can mark it as unread. It's really cool. You can also flag really easily. So this is a message I wanna flag. Just flick it across and flag. Now here's a nice message. I don't know who this fellow is, but he says, great collaboration. You and Johnny have really come together really well. Let's take a look at that one. Oh dear God. <laughs> Well, this would be a good time to demonstrate our quick delete feature, where I can drag all the way across and delete at a glance. I'm certain that message won't haunt me on the internet for years to come. So let's talk about composing. I got a message here from uh, a friend who's visiting in town and is looking for a good restaurant, so I'll start replying to this message. And I'll say, uh, let's see, check out. And then, you know, actually, I got a good recommendation from another friend here in my inbox, so I'd like to get to that now. Well, I can just swipe this draft down like this, go right into another place, another message in my inbox, tap out a selection. That looks like exactly what I want to send him, so I'll just copy that. And now with a tap at the bottom, I restore my draft, just like that. I can paste and send it on its way. I think we're all going to love doing mail this way. That's a quick look at the enhancements to iOS 8. So let's talk about Spotlight. Now, of course, Spotlight's a super convenient way to search on your device. You just pull down one on your home screen, and you can execute these searches and find things like launching apps or find an email message. But now, with those same things we showed you in Yosemite with Spotlight suggestions, you can get it so much more. You can search for apps and find matches of apps that you don't yet have on the App Store. You can search for points of interest and get Wikipedia entries and directions. You can search for news, search for restaurants, 
songs, not just in your own library, but also on iTunes. And when you search for a movie, you can get results both for theaters uh, nearby as well as content available for streaming. And when you search inside of Safari, in addition to your great Google search suggestions, you can also get a suggestion at a glance for the answer you're looking for right from Spotlight Suggestions. So that is the new Spotlight. Next, the keyboard and a technology we call QuickType. Oh. <laughs> so prior to iPhone, this was the state of the art in smartphone typing. But iPhone changed all of that with the introduction of touch. And we've been able to do so much more, like access to special characters or alternate character sets, special keyboard layouts, even handwriting and dictation. But underlying it all have been the language models under autocorrect. Well, now, in iOS 8, QuickType supports predictive typing suggestions. So as you type, you get suggestions for the next words you might want to type. And you can tap things out faster than ever before. And it's incredibly smart. So it's context sensitive. For instance, in messages, if someone asks you, do you want to go for dinner or a movie? It's going to suggest dinner or a movie. <laughs> and it's personalized. It learns how you type to different people in different apps. So maybe you're communicating with a coworker, and it's going to say, well, the meeting was canceled, rescheduled, moved. These are kind of uh, formal terms. But now if you're communicating with someone else where you have a different communication style, you might get the meeting was epic, awesome, or a snoozer, because it learns how you type. And when it does, it does so in a way that's always protecting your privacy. All that learning is done local to the device, and none of your keystrokes leave the device. Now, QuickType has great language models for all of these languages. So I think we're all going to be typing a whole lot faster. Next, of course, continuity. You get all the great continuity features. So now, on your iPad, you can pick up where you left off on your iPhone. You can set up an instant hotspot with no configuration on your iPad. You can receive your messages on your iPad. And when you receive a call from someone going like this, you can pick it up right on your iPad. It's really great. And that's continuity. Next up, messages. So messages is the most frequently used app on iOS. And in iOS 8, it's better than ever. So when it comes to group messaging, we have some great enhancements. You can now name your threads. You can add or remove people from a conversation underway. And if you've ever been on one of those noisy threads that just keeps buzzing in your pocket, well, you can do not disturb on a per thread level, and you can choose when to leave the thread. This is pretty important. Now, you also can share your location with people in a conversation. And if they've shared their location with you, you can see it from right with inside messages. And you also have a really great at-a-glance view of all of the pictures and attachments that are shared on any thread. But one feature that I really love is our new tap to talk. You just hold your finger down on the microphone button. 
and then you can just swipe up with your finger when you're done talking and send what you said. And it's really great for video messaging as well. So to give you a quick demo of the all new messages, I'd like to bring up Greg Joswick to the stage. Jaws? Thank you, Craig. It's fun to be up here to be the first one to show you what a rich and powerful platform for communication messages has become. So let's get right into it. So I got a message here waiting from my friend and coworker, Kim Brath. So I could just slide that, of course, as usual. Go straight into my messages. And what I see here is I have a thread between me, Kim, and Craig. But what I have that's new in the upper right-hand corner is this details button. So if I tap it, it gives me all kinds of information about the participants and the message. For one, Craig and Kim have decided to share their location with me. So Craig, of course, is up here with us in San Francisco, while Kim is working hard back in Cupertino. Thanks, Kim, for that. One of the things I can do is add context. I can add people to this conversation as we go. But I could also choose to share my location. So if I just tap share my location, I can choose to share my location for an hour for the rest of the day. Or I can keep sharing it until I stop uh, somewhere in the future. But what's really convenient is this do not disturb button. How many times have you been in one of those super chatty group conversations that your phone is just continuing to buzz over and over? Well, now I can just choose to do not disturb that particular thread and not get my phone buzzing. So I'm going to find that useful with Kim and Craig. I know that for sure. <laughs> or I can even leave this conversation with just a single tap. What's also convenient is the fact that I have all the attachments, all the photos from this conversation all in one place. So they still appear in line in the thread, but now instead of trying to find that picture by scrolling, 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 they all come in one place here in the thread. So very, very convenient. So let's go back to that conversation. Kim had asked me how it's going. Well, I have lots of ways to reply to her. I could tap out with just a few taps and you know, use my predictive keyboard, a, a message. But it's even cooler that I can now do an audio or video message to her with just a swipe. So let's send back an audio message to her. Hey, Kim, I'm just hanging out here with about 6,000 of our closest friends, having a good time while Craig takes a much-deserved break backstage. Slide up, sends the message just like that. Super easy. And I can do the same thing with a video message or even with a selfie. So I'm going to dare a selfie here. Let's hold down the camera button. <laughs> not, not my best look. Uh, let's see what Kim has to say about that. So I can see I got an audio message from Kim. All I have to do is tap the play button and hear the message. Impressive, Jaws. You've totally mastered the duck face selfie. Well, if, I'm glad she likes it. So, so it's super duper easy to, to do these sort of things. You notice that it said it would expire in a couple minutes because you don't want to have to clean these up. Audio and video messages can take up space. So self-destruct unless you choose to keep, whoa, what's this? So Craig should be backstage, but he apparently has sent me a message and it looks important. So if you don't mind, I'm going to play it back. And I can play it back in line even with the video message here. Joss, we've got a serious situation developing back here. I can't control this. These aren't going to work. Brian, you've got to do something. I've got it. <laughs> Jaws, I'm going to need you to buy us some more time. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, hair like that doesn't come easy. So while, while he's dealing with this crisis backstage, 
oh, look, I've actually got an audio message from them. Now, what's really cool is I can actually listen to audio messages and reply to them from the lock screen simply by raising the iPhone to my ear. Hey, Joss, uh, we got the crisis contained back here. I'm, uh, I'm good to go, so wrap it up whenever you're ready. And that's that, that easy to listen to a message, and I can reply to it the same way. Craig, it's good to hear that you survived the great hair crisis of 2014. I'll get things wrapped up here, and we'll get the show back to you. Lower it, and the message is sent. Super easy. So. So that's the all-new Messages app, super easy, super powerful. Send a message with just a swipe or even just by raising it to your ear. So thank you, everybody. Okay. So next up, iCloud Drive. So of course, iCloud documents work great across a single app and you're on your iOS devices, but now, with iCloud Drive, you also have a great way to work across applications. So say you're in an app here, like Sketchbook, you can bring up your iCloud Drive panel and open documents directly from other applications, like a compatible uh, document inside of Goodreader. And when you open it up and in that document, in that application, and edit it, those edits are saved right back to their original location, so you don't end up with all of these different versions and copy problems. Now, of course, you also have access to all of those documents on your Mac and on Windows as well. So that's iCloud Drive. Next up, something you weren't expecting from me, Enterprise. Now, it turns out that iOS, yeah, well, they got one Enterprise guy over there, I know. So iOS is a huge hit in the Enterprise. In fact, 98% of the Fortune 500 uses iOS. And we're gonna get the last two. And it's in part because of these great iOS-tailored applications. But it's also because of the amazing array of technologies, both technologies that apply to all of us in protecting our privacy and security, but also enterprise manageability features that we've added to iOS over the years. Now, one of them that we just released in the last few months, I think, is emblematic of our philosophy of the enterprise, and that's the device enrollment program. Now, traditionally, if you go to work at a company and they wanna give you a device, they actually have to take the device they give you, rip it out of its box, connect it to some PC, image it with software to configure it. It's a big pain. But now with the device enrollment program, you can actually get your iPad or iPhone in its original shrink wrap box, and when you open it up, it'll automatically configure itself for your enterprise, setting up all of your mail and getting your mail messages, automatically setting up your calendar, and even downloading all your enterprise apps. It's that simple. Well, now in iOS 8, we continue with our focus on security, productivity, and management. iOS 8 has expanded data protection, so you get passcode protection of all the major data types, including third-party apps. We have per-message S-MIME, and we have a great productivity feature I think we're all gonna like called VIP threads. So now, if there's a thread you're on or a message you send and you wanna get notified on the lock screen whenever there's a reply on that thread, you can get that with just a tap. Now we also have automatic reply for exchange for out of office, free busy information in calendar, and 
We support third-party enterprise document providers in addition to iCloud, integrated right into iCloud-capable applications. Now, we also improve our management. Yes, the enterprise guy back there. So, we also extend our management to include managed books and PDFs, and this is, of course, especially valuable for education. So those are just a few features for enterprise. Now, something that we all care a lot about, health. Woo. So developers have created a vast array of healthcare devices and accompanying applications. Everything from monitoring your activity level, to your heart rate, to your weight, and chronic medical conditions like high blood pressure and diabetes. But up to now, the information gathered by those applications lives in silos. You can't get a single comprehensive picture of your health situation. But now you can with HealthKit. HealthKit provides a single place that applications can contribute to a composite profile of your activity and health. And HealthKit comes with a corresponding application, health. And with health, you can monitor all of your uh, metrics that you're most interested in your activity. But not just that, you can use third-party applications. Now, we carefully protect your privacy, so you have total control over which applications have access to which part of your healthcare information. But you can, for instance, provide different activity, weight, um, heart rate information to uh, the Nike app. And Nike is working to integrate HealthKit so they use that information to help you in your pursuit of your personalized fitness goals. Now, we're also working with the Mayo Clinic, innovators in healthcare. And with their integration with HealthKit, they're going to be able that when an, a uh, patient takes, let's say, a blood pressure reading, HealthKit automatically notifies their app. And their app is automatically able to check whether that reading is within that patient's personalized healthcare parameters and thresholds. And if not, it can contact the hospital proactively, notify a doctor, and that doctor can reach back to that patient, providing more timely care. Now, now, we think this is going to be really important for healthcare. And the CEO of the Mayo Clinic agrees. He says that we believe Apple's health kit will revolutionize the health industry, how the health industry interacts with people. We're proud to be at the forefront of this innovative technology with the Mayo Clinic app. We agree. Now, we're also working with leaders in healthcare applications, like Epic Systems. Now, they provide the technology that enables hospitals serving over 100 million Americans. And so now, with their integration with HealthKit, patients at these leading institutions will be able to get closer in sharing their information with their doctors. And that is health. <laughs> Next up, family sharing. It's the easy way to share what's important. Now, when I was a kid, the refrigerator was the center of family sharing. Our refrigerator looked just like this, except the kid had gray hair. But we've now, in iOS, made it that easy to set up your family on their iOS devices. And once you've set up your family as a family unit, you automatically get to share photos with a shared photo stream. 
to share calendars with your family, to share a fair, shared reminder list, and to automatically configure things like, with, with permission, find my friends, and find your kids' devices, which is something I do about every other day. It's really handy. Now, of course, we're also used to, in the home, sharing physical media. But increasingly, our media is in the form of songs from iTunes, movies, books, and apps. Well, now, with family sharing, you can get at not just your purchases, but the purchases of all the members of your family. You just click right through and download. And this is for up to six family members who all share the same credit card. And it works great for kids as well. And not just because they can make purchases on your credit card, but in fact, because when they do make a purchase, they get prompted to ask you for permission. And you automatically get messaged on your device. And that's family sharing. Next, photos. We all take a lot of photos, increasingly with our iPhones. And we share them with whatever device we have handy. Well, now, we're bringing together photos with iCloud so that every photo you take are available to you on all of your devices. We're not only preserving the common organization edits you do to all of your photos for your consistent iCloud photo library, but your device actually has access to more photos in the cloud than it can physically store locally, so you can get at them all, wherever you are. Now, of course, if you have this many photos, you want great search. And so we, now in iOS 8 Photos, we give you great search suggestions, for instance, of locations, uh, photos taken near where you are right now, photos taken a year ago today, photos taken in your home, but we also give you search. And so that search lets you match on things like location, time, and also on uh, uh, albums that you've set up. Now, we also help you perfect your photos with great new smart editing controls. So we have special smart controls for light and color, and also for things like auto-straightening and cropping. I'd like to give you a demo of our new Photos app now. All right, let's take a look at Photos. So here I am in my large cloud photo collection, and I have great search here. So I have all my suggestions, but I can also start typing. And you notice I get matches on location and time period, but also on album. So here I have Beach Day with Mandy. I can tap right in there, look through these nice photos. Let's take a look. Those are some good ones. Now, that's a photo that I think has potential, but it's really quite dark and kind of washed out. But fortunately, we have these great smart editing controls that I can use to fix it up. So I'm going to bring up our levels, and you notice I have levels for light and color down there at the bottom. I'm going to tap on light, and I get this great smart light meter. Now I can just drag this across like this, and it lightens up the photo. 
really nicely. So I can dial that in just the way I want. But what's happening under the hood is really amazing. You notice that to achieve the lightning effect, it brought brightness and contrast up, exposure and highlights down, and shadows up based on detailed image analysis of what would achieve that effect. Now I could go in and I could manually try to tweak those parameters. I have that level of control, but I don't need to because it does such a great job. Now I also have that control for color. So I can just drive up the color, for instance, bring out the sky and the skin tones, and I look at the difference of what we've been able to achieve before, after. It's really awesome. Now what's really great is that my edits, of course, immediately went up to my cloud photo library, and so they're available to all my devices. So let's take a look at my iPad. So here's my iPad. Now I'm gonna go into my favorites album, and we notice that right now in favorites, I don't have uh, that picture because I didn't favorite it. But now that I've made those nice edits, the picture's looking great. I think I'll make it one of my favorites. I'll just tap on my iPhone on the little heart, and you notice that it appears automatically here on my iPad. So I can go into that photo right here. Now we have those same editing controls tailored for iPad. So I'm gonna go in to do a, a crop, and do a kind of extreme close-up crop here like this. Hit done. And of course these changes are gonna go up live to my iCloud photo library and they go right across to my phone. So of course you may be wondering, what about the Mac? Well, good news, we are working on a new grounds-up photo solution for the Mac built with iCloud in mind. Now, it's gonna be shipping early next year, but I'd like to give you a sneak peek now. All right. So let's take a look at photos on the Mac. So you see I get beautiful, buttery scrolling here. I have my moments right here. I can pinch out if I want from moments to collections and all the way out to years. I can scrub through my photos like this, even in year view. And if I find a photo I like, just let go and I zoom right in. You watch as I magnify this photo, the interplay with the title bar, it's really gorgeous. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, browse through these a little bit. Now here's a photo that is, looks really like it's got some potential, but it could use some brightening up. It can have these same kinds of adjustments. You notice here, I have these light and color meters. Well, I can disclose these controls so we can watch what happens in real time as I make the lighting adjustment. And notice how some of these are going up and some are going down to create this effect. It's really great. I can do the same with color. Let's just boost the color bring out the sky, bring out the skin tones. And it's that easy, the new Photos app, to really create beautiful images. And that's a quick preview of photos coming to Yosemite in the future and to the new photo solution with iCloud Photo Library coming with iOS 8. So now in iOS 8, you get all your photos in your organization across your iOS devices, and soon with your Mac and via the web, Windows as well. Now this is all your photos 
and also your videos. And these are in their original format and their full resolution. Now this uses your iCloud storage, so your first five gigs are free. And we have some great new affordable plans coming where you get 20 gigs for just 99 cents a month and 200 gigs for 399. So we can all afford to get all our photos safely up in the cloud. That is photos. So we have a great set of major features coming to iOS, but of course, there's always a whole lot more than I have time to talk about here. I do want to hit on just two more quickly, and one is Siri. Now we have, if you take your phone and you plug it in, for instance, in the car, you can say, hey, Siri, and start talking to Siri without having to even touch your phone. And we have song recognition with Shazam. So now, if you just start up Siri and there's a song playing around you, It'll tell you what it is, and you can even purchase it right there from within Siri. Siri also now supports streaming voice recognition. So as you talk, you can see what it's recognizing. It's more responsive than ever. And we have support for 22 new dictation languages. Finally, in China, we now have greatly improved maps with vector-based maps and turn-by-turn -turn directions. We also have support for a lunar calendar, which is great for holidays and birthdays, improved Chinese predictive input, and improved weather data. So that is a look, thank you, thank you. So that's a look at the consumer part of iOS 8. To tell you the other half of the story, I'm gonna hand it back to Tim, thanks. Thanks, Craig. amazing new features. And if we ended the keynote now, it would be a giant release. But there is a lot more. And the second part of the story is what iOS 8 provides for developers and extending your capability to make even more incredible apps and apps you could not create before. Now, all of these apps are delivered via the App Store. The App Store now has over 1.2 million of your apps on it. This is a phenomenal number, and the marketplace around these apps is unbelievably vibrant. 300 million people visit the App Store every week. And these people aren't just browsing, they are downloading. They've now downloaded over 75 billion apps. These are mind-blowing numbers. Now, what we want to do is make the App Store even better. And so we're rolling out a number of new features on the store. Starting with, we're adding an Explore tab to help users find the app they're looking for more. So you can browse through categories and subcategories. We're adding top trending searches to make search even better. It's great to see WWDC at the top, by the way. <laughs> We're making finding your search even better by making it faster by adding a continuous scrolling list. We're adding related searches to make it easier to find exactly the app you're looking for. 
And with the new Editor's Choice logo, users can find the best apps. Also, for the first time, we're giving the developers the capability to form app bundles. So users can buy multiple apps I do read your emails. So users can buy multiple apps at a discounted price with just one tap. Also, we're introducing app previews. So developers can make short videos. So developers can make short videos of some great features, and the users can make certain it's an app that they would want. We're also introducing for the first time today a new service, a new beta test service called TestFlight. <laughs> Developers can invite users to beta test their app and get the results right in TestFlight. And it's all free. Now, there are many more features of the App Store, and you'll hear about them through the week and in the afternoon sessions, but we are really investing a ton in the App Store. It is a huge release. Everything will be available in the fall. Now, that brings us to the SDK. And for those of you that are not developers, the SDK is a software development kit that enables developers to make all of the amazing apps. This release is the biggest release since the launch of the App Store. And it will give developers the capabilities and tools to make things they haven't dreamed of and to push to a whole new level. And to tell you all about the SDK, I want to invite my colleague Superman back to the stage. This is clearly some kind of endurance training thing Tim is doing to me. So with this year's SDK, the team has done just an unreal job with over 4,000 new developer APIs. Now, I want to start with something that I think is, is perhaps most profound, and that's extensibility. So with extensibility, applications from the App Store will be able to extend the system and offer services to other apps. Now, of course, one of the reasons we're all so comfortable installing so many apps from the App Store are iOS's security model. Apps are isolated inside of sandboxes where they can access their own data but can't get at your personal information or mess with other apps without your permission. Well, to handle extensibility in an iOS way, we wanted to build on the same sandboxing model. So now extensions live inside an application's own sandbox with access to its own data, but other applications can reach out by way of iOS's security mechanisms, talk to that extension, and that extension can even project UI right back into the originating app. Now this enables some great things. For instance, in addition to the system's built-in sharing options, an app like Pinterest can offer a share sheet to Safari. 
And if you look at actions, for instance, an app like Bing could offer translation right inside of Safari, accessing the web page's web content right there. Now we're also supporting photo filters inside of photos and enabling third parties to define their own document providers that work with any iCloud Drive-enabled application. Finally, we're enabling third-party apps to define widgets that can now go in Notification Center. I think it feels like time for a demo. So let's start with photo filters. So we're back here in photos, and I've got a nice photo here of a flower. And I'm gonna go ahead and edit, and you notice in addition to the options here at the bottom of the screen, we have at the top left this extensions button. I'm gonna click that, tap that rather, and you notice I have several extensions available, one from ViscoCam and one from Waterlog. So I'm gonna select Waterlog, and now the Waterlog extension is able to run right here in the context of photos to manipulate my photo, bringing up their own UI, deliver this beautiful watercolor effect to my photo, and when I'm done, it's right back inside of my photo album. It's that easy. Then next, let's take a look at widgets. So I'm gonna just pull down Notification Center. I have my existing widgets here in my Today View. But you notice in addition to my widgets, down here at the bottom it says one new widget available because I've downloaded an app recently that contains a Notification Center widget. So I'm gonna tap Edit, and you notice it's Sports Center. So I can tap the plus next to Sports Center, position it where I want among my widgets in my Today View, tap Done, and now I have information on my favorite sports teams right here inside of Notification Center. Now this works great on iPad as well. Let's take a look at iPad. So on iPad, I'm gonna bring down Notification Center, and you notice I have this interactive widget from eBay. So I'm bidding on a, uh, a guitar, and uh, apparently I'm being outbid. So I can now, right inside of Notification, take advantage of the interactivity of widgets, I can tap, and bid, and just like this, I can submit a leading bid all inside of Notification Center. Now to wrap it up, I wanna show you extensions in Safari. I'm gonna bring up Safari, and use our great new tab view. There's a page I've been looking at here um, with some information on a beautiful guitar, and I'd like to learn more about it, but unfortunately you notice the uh, text here is in Japanese, and I do not um, read Japanese. Fortunately, I have a uh, Bing translation extension. So I can just bring up my uh, action sheet. And you notice down here on the second row, Bing Translate. I'm gonna tap on that. And Bing is able to translate this web page right in line. Look at that. <laughs> now for our extensions grand finale, let's put that on my Pinterest board. You see Pinterest has an extension right here. I'm gonna tap on that. And this is actually able to bring up UI defined by Pinterest, where I can select my board, maybe select my guitars board. Now the Pinterest extension has access to the underlying web page, so I can let me slide through the different photos on the page until I find the one I want to share. That's it. Tap, and I've pinned it. And that's a quick look at extensions in iOS 8.
Now, there's one important kind of extension that I did fail to mention, and that's the ability to install system-wide third-party keyboards. So now, if you have a special keyboard you want to use, you can install those on iOS. And by default, those, of course, run inside of the most restrictive sandbox with no network access, because we want to make sure to protect your privacy. But if that keyboard requires or want, you want to grant it ability, it can ask for access to the network uh, to provide extended functionality. We put those controls in your hands. That's extensions and iOS 8. Next up, Touch ID. From the moment we introduced Touch ID, developers were excited about the potential. And there's no question why Touch ID has been extremely popular in people authenticating into their devices. If you look at passcode usage on iOS before Touch ID, it was less than half. On iPhone 5S, 83%. People love using Touch ID. And now, third-party apps can take advantage of Touch ID as well. So Touch ID protects logins and user data, and it works by unlocking keychain items. So it'll identify successful fingerprint matches, but it always keeps the fingerprint data itself completely protected inside of the secure enclave in the A7 processor. The fingerprint information is never exposed to third-party apps or the rest of the system, for that matter. It's very secure. That's Touch ID. Now next, cameras. We're providing camera APIs for manual control of exposure, white balance, and focus. And we've enhanced the PhotoKit API with faster performance, the ability not just to read, but also to write to the photo library. And this is now your cloud photo library and perform non-destructive edits. It's really great. Now, we talked about the great HealthKit API, but now we also have HomeKit. There are a lot of great home automation devices coming on the market these days, and they have companion apps, things like lights and door locks, webcams, garage doors, and thermostats. But you know, each of them have their own application, and they end up defining their own network protocol, their own security mechanisms. Well, we thought we could bring some rationality to this space. We started working with the leaders in home automation devices. And we've come up with a HomeKit, with a common network protocol that has secure pairing to ensure that only your iPhone can open your garage door or unlock your door. And in addition to being able to control individual devices in your home, with HomeKit you can group devices and changes into scenes. And then with Siri integration, you can say something like, get ready for bed, and be assured that your garage door is closed, your door is locked, the thermostat is lowered, and your lights are dimmed. That's HomeKit. Next, CloudKit. So today, if you're a developer and you're writing an application and it needs a web component, 
well, you end up really having to write two apps and run. In addition to writing the client side using Xcode and our frameworks, you have to write the server side of the app. You have to write server side app logic. You have to deal with authentication, asset storage, database storage, search, even push notifications, and then you gotta pay somebody to host it all. Well now, with CloudKit, CloudKit takes over the cloud part and provides you with a client side programming model that lets you access iCloud authentication, storage, search, and more. And when it comes to paying, CloudKit is effectively free. <laughs> with limits. So CloudKit scales the data allocated to your app and bandwidth based on the number of users using your app. And this goes all the way up to granting you free a petabyte of assets, 10 terabyte of database, and all the bandwidth you could constructively use. That is CloudKit. Next, I wanna move on to something huge in the area of 3D graphics, and it's called metal. So, as you know, OpenGL is the standards-based way for high-performance 3D graphics on iOS, giving you access to the power of the A7 processor. But increasingly, if you look at what goes on in the performance of the game, in addition to what the game wants to accomplish, OpenGL ends up being a thick layer of overhead between the game and the hardware. Well, now we have metal, and metal dramatically reduces that overhead, giving the game near bare to the metal access to the power of A7. The results are stunning, up to 10x faster draw call rates. Now, in addition to these dramatically reduced uh, overheads, you get access not just to graphics, but to the compute power of the GPU. And Metal supports pre-compiled shaders and efficient multi-threading, so you can always get the most out of the processor. Now, we've been working with the leading providers of gaming engines on mobile platforms. And what they've been able to accomplish with Metal in just a few weeks is truly stunning. Let's start with EA and the work they've done taking their console-level title, Plants vs. Zombies, and bringing it to iOS. They're able to put over 1.3 million triangles on the screen at a time and do depth of motion effects, depth of field effects that they could never imagine achieving. In fact, they're using their Frostbite console engine that they thought could never come to mobile, and now it can. And let's look at Crytek. Crytek was able to bring their console-level Geom cache to iOS, and they're able to get up to 4,000 draw calls per frame going here. This is up to 10x the kind of performance they were seeing previously. Now, to show you live what can be done with Metal, I'd like to bring up the founder of Epic Games to the stage, Tim Sweeney. Tim, come on up. Thank you. We've had the opportunity to work with Metal, and to illustrate some of the possibilities, we created a Zen garden now, this environment was built in Unreal Engine 4 on a high-end Mac, 
And now thanks to Metal, we're running it on iPad in real time with full fidelity and performance. Metal's efficiency enables an order of magnitude increase in detail, making it possible for developers like us to create a new generation of vivid and interactive 3D experiences. Now Josh Adams is the programmer who wrote much of the code that's running. Josh, can you explain what we're seeing here? Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks to Metal's support for pre-compiled shaders, we can have a huge variety of materials without a low time impact. And uh, first up, let's check out this cherry tree. Now I can drag on the screen to paint the petals onto the tree. And they start falling to the ground. There are about 5,000 petals here being physically simulated. And I can interact with them by touching on the screen to blow wind through the area. All right, next up, we have a koi pond filled with hundreds of fish. Metals freed up enough CPU time that we can have each of them running their own artificial intelligence, which you can see here as I drag around on the water. There's a few more fish here than a real koi pond, but since metal lets us do it, we figured why not. And of course, every Zen garden needs some sand to rake. So I can go over here. I can rake any pattern I want into the sand here. Now artists love that you can make an effect like this without needing a programmer like me to make a one-off effect for draw call reduction or other optimizations. And for our final moment of Zen, we'll walk over to this water fountain. Now I can tap on it, pours out some water, which then turns to a couple hundred butterflies. But of course not going to stop there. So I can touch the screen to call more of them to me and then guide them around the area. So there are about 3,500 individually animated and rendered butterfly meshes here. I have to keep telling the artists to turn the numbers up and up because they did not think it was going to be possible. Pretty cool, huh? Thanks. There are thousands of objects being rendered here in a scene that we couldn't have dreamed of building prior to Metal delivering a tenfold increase in rendering efficiency. To have this level of graphics capability on iPhone and iPad now is a stunning breakthrough. Um, we're proud to have been a part of it, and uh, of course we'd love to share this with you. So as soon as iOS 8 is available, we will be making the Zen Garden available in the App Store for free. Thank you. It's amazing, and that was, it's easy to forget, on an iPad, it's incredible graphics they were able to achieve, and I think we're all feeling very zen now, so it's very good. So that's metal. Now I want to move from high-end 3D gaming to casual gaming and SpriteKit. We introduced SpriteKit last year at WWDC, and it's been a big hit with people building casual games on the App Store, and now this year, We've really enhanced SpriteKit with some things that make your casual games just that much more fun. We have support for light sources, field forces, per pixel physics that actually allow your objects to automatically interact with proper physics based on their drawn shapes, and even inverse kinematics. And now also this year, for the first time on iOS, we're bringing SceneKit. SceneKit is a 3D scene render, and now it's been enhanced. It's designed for casual games with an integrated physics engine, particle systems, and support for scripted actions. So these are two great solutions for casual games on iOS. Next, Xcode. 
Now, Xcode is the tool set we use to build all applications for the Mac and iOS. And Xcode is, in fact, one of the most popular pro apps on our platform. The last version was downloaded 14 million times. It's unbelievable. Now, of course, central to Xcode is the language we use to develop our apps, Objective-C. Now, Objective-C has served us so well for 20 years. We absolutely love it. But we had to ask ourselves the question, what would it be like if we had Objective-C without the baggage of C? Well, we did more than think about it. We have a new programming language. The language is called Swift, and it totally rules. <laughs> Swift is fast, it is modern, it is designed for safety, and it enables a level of interactivity and development that you've never seen on the platform. When it comes to speed, Swift is great. Compare Python, a popular scripting language, with Objective-C when it comes to something like, let's say, complex object sort. Objective-C is a lot faster, but Swift is faster still. And take something like RC4 encryption, extremely com computationally intensive. Uh, Python gets utterly crushed in this particular benchmark. An objective, but look at Swift. Now, Swift is also modern with features like closures, generics, type inference, multiple re return types, and namespaces. <laughs> You know how many people at home are going, what in the heck are these guys talking about? <laughs> With Swift, you're able to reduce a common pattern that you might see in your Objective-C code like this and reduce it to something as simple as this. And Swift defines away large classes of common programming errors. They just aren't possible. Now, Swift is completely native to Cocoa and Cocoa Touch. It's built with the same LLVM compiler as Objective-C using the same optimizer and auto-vectorizer, and it has the same arc memory management model and the same runtime, which means that your Swift code can fit right alongside your Objective-C and your C code in the same application. Now, Swift also enables a level of dynamism and interactivity in development that we've never seen before with a feature we call Playgrounds. To demonstrate Swift and Playgrounds in action, I'd like to bring to the stage Chris Latner. Come on up, Chris. Thank you, Craig. I am thrilled to be here and to be the first person to give you a taste of Swift. Let me show you how fun and interactive it is to write Swift code. This is a Swift playground. As I start typing, I get an immediate response. It is actually running my code as I type it and displaying the result in the sidebar to the right. 
Of course, Swift uses type inference and has powerful string processing capabilities, which make it as easy to use as a scripting language without sacrificing any performance. Swift was designed from the ground up for Cocoa and Cocoa Touch, so of course, I have their full power at my fingertips. Now, I can build anything with Swift, from a social media application all the way up to a high-performance 3D game using Metal. But today, to keep it simple, I think I'll write a simple, casual 2D game. And let's start by using NSImage. <laughs> let's start by uh, using NSImage to load a resource. As you can see here, I've, uh, the playground sees I've loaded an image. I can even see it right here from within Xcode. Now, Swift is loaded with high-end features like generics that allow me to get a lot done with very little code. Here you can see I'm using an array of strings and using the functional map algorithm to apply a closure to every element, which allows me to load an entire list of images all with a simple line of code. Now, all these resources are part of this game that I'm working on, and one piece that I'm, I still need to finish up is the flight path for the blimp that we have. Now, this is a simple loop that computes the position for the blimp over time as my game plays. And in addition to seeing individual values, Swift Playgrounds even allow me to visualize the entire history of a value over time as my application runs. And so now I can immediately see that this equation will cause my blimp to slowly sink as the scene plays out. But I think I can do better, and that's not exactly what I'm looking for. So I can change the code, and I get an immediate response. Simply by changing the equation, the blimp will now rise and fall as the scene plays out, which is a lot more of what I'm looking for. So now that we have this the way we want, we can take this and copy it, and let's go to the game that I'm working on. It's right here. Now this is a playground just like before, but here I have a game in the code written using SpriteKit. Now you can see our blimp going left and right straight across the scene, and I can try out the flight path that we just developed simply by pacing it in and getting the immediate feedback I'm looking for. Now the blimp is rising and falling just like I want it. Because Swift enables such powerful interactive and dynamic programming experiences, it makes it really easy to try out new things. And just by adding a few lines of code, I can enable sprite kits per pixel collisions, field forces, and lighting effects, getting a, a much more interesting result. Now, Swift Playgrounds even give you full power over time. And with this timeline at the bottom of the screen, I can go forwards and backwards through the execution of my game, so I can really see those effects in action. I can see the balloons interacting with each other and with the blimp, just like that. Playgrounds give me unprecedented power to see my app in detail and give me full control when I want to refine and polish my application. But of course, Swift works great with Xcode and runs great on iOS. So let's now jump and see what the finished product looks like. Here we go. And this is the game that we just built. It looks pretty great. Now, as uh, Craig told you earlier, we've also brought SceneKit to iOS. With SceneKit, it's super easy to build a, a 3D version of our game. 
And that's just a quick taste and quick look at Swift. I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. Thank you very much. So that's Swift. It gives you access to all of Cocoa and Cocoa Touch. So you can build everything from a simple example, like you saw there with Chris, to the most powerful applications you can imagine. And Swift is going to be ready for prime time out of the gates. It comes with complete Xcode support with indexing, code completion, and debugging. And there's a Swift language guide available to you now in iBooks, along with complete reference documentation. And when iOS and OS 10 are available, day one, you can submit apps written in Swift to the App Store. That is Swift. So as you've been able to see, iOS 8 is a huge developer release and a great end user release with features like the new QuickType keyboard, tap to talk in messages, health, family sharing, and great new photos with iCloud Photo Library. But it's also an unprecedented developer release with technology like extensions, Metal, and Swift. That's iOS 8. It's going to be available to those of you here in beta today. And you guessed it, available to everyone else in the fall, and it'll run on all of these devices. That is iOS 8. Thank you. Great job. It's an incredible set of features, an incredible release. It's been a fun morning. You can probably see that from us. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Thank you. This morning, you've seen Yosemite, the future of OS X, with an incredible new design, amazing new features, and engineered to work seamlessly with iOS. You've seen iOS 8, the biggest release of iOS since the introduction of the App Store. It's huge for developers and massive for everyone else. And perhaps more importantly, you've seen how our operating systems, devices, and services all work together in harmony. Together, they provide an integrated and continuous experience across all of our products. And you've seen how developers can extend their experience further than they've ever done before, and how they can create powerful apps even faster and more easily than they've ever been able to. Apple engineers platforms, devices, and services together. We do this so we can create a seamless experience for our users that is unparalleled in the industry. This is something only Apple 
can do. You've seen a few people on stage this morning, but there are thousands of people that made today possible. And I'd like to take a moment before we depart and recognize them. Would everyone from Apple stand up that had something to do with bringing today, making today possible? Stand up, don't be bashful. Thank you. And there's thousands more back in Cupertino who are watching, and I want to thank them too and from all over the world. It's the privilege of a lifetime for me to work with all of these incredible people. I hope everyone has a huge conference. Enjoy the week. Thank you very much. <laughs>